Welcome to Prophecy Countdown with author and pastor Kenneth Baer. Join us every week for the latest updates on what the Bible has to say about the events, the characters, and prophetic signs of the return of Jesus Christ and His coming kingdom. Make sure you not only subscribe, but like your favorite episodes and share it with your friends. Now, on with the broadcast. Welcome today to another update for Prophecy Countdown. I'm Pastor Ken Bear with Faith Dialogue, and we provide two updates each week uh, to our audio and our video channels that we call Prophecy Countdown. Uh, on Sundays, we are presently going through the Gospel of Matthew. And as our practice, we go chapter by chapter and verse by verse. We'll be starting chapter uh, 11 next week. Actually, this week we're ending chapter 10 with a message I call the Cup of Cold Water. And that premieres on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Standard Time. Now, Wednesdays, our updates are always uh, regarding prophecy. They're always prophecy-related, and typically what we do is we take one of the questions that you, our subscribers and our listeners and our, our, the people on our YouTube channel, um, send in uh, and ask us. Uh, if you'd like to ask a question, you can send an email to us. We always answer all of the emails. Our email for this uh, Prophecy Countdown uh, podcast is prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. That's prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so let's, get, let's go ahead and get right into our question for today. And the question we receive that we're going to answer is, what or who are Gog and Magog? Maybe you're familiar with Gog and Magog. Uh, that's uh, from the 38th chapter, 39th chapter of uh, the book of Ezekiel. So that, that's a great question because Gog and Magog actually are a what and a who, or formerly a who and a what. Uh, Gog is an individual. Uh, he's uh, called the prince ruler or the prince of Magog. So he's a, a chieftain. It could be like a Caesar or president or king. He's the, he's the leader. Now this all comes about in chapter 38 of, uh, the, of uh, the prophet Ezekiel's prophecy. And what this prophecy is, is an end time invasion of Israel. Now, why do we say it's an end-time invasion of Israel? Well, because it hasn't happened yet, and it's prophecy, and prophecy is 100% fulfilled, has been in the past, will be in the future. So uh, Ezekiel has a very detailed account of an invasion in the end times of the land of Israel, and it's by a coalition of nations, and overpowering nations, and of course, God wins the, the victory. It's a huge victory for God, but it's a major invasion of, of Israel. So let me give you some background, and we'll try to get to this question about who Gog and Magog is, and I'm sure I'll fill you in with some of the interesting details also about this invasion. So first of all, the background. Uh, there's actually five verses at the very beginning of chapter 38 that sets the stage, that tells us what's, what's happening here. Uh, and Ezekiel does a great job of this. So uh, let me read those five verses to you, and then we'll kind of uh, add a few verses to it and, and pick those apart as well. So chapter 38 starts with this. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog in the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, O prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaw, and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. 
Persia, Ethiopian, Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. So that's a, that's a, that's a lot of names. It, it really is. Uh, however, some of those names are familiar to you. And this is key. Um, names like Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya. So we're going to start there. The fact that you know these nations by name gives you an indication, first of all, that what Ezekiel is talking about is, is to be literally fulfilled. This is not symbolic. These aren't just names being made up and we don't know who these countries are. It could be anybody, you know, it's, it's just like, no, no, no. These are, these are real people groups, real nations that come from, actually come from Noah. Um, this prophecy talks about many nations coming against Israel in the end times and there would be no way, this is what Ezekiel puts out, no way that Israel would be able to have such a decisive victory if it were not for the Lord. So this is not unusual in the Bible where we see a decisive victory only uh, because the Lord intervenes. So first of all, let's talk about these three nations that we know, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya. The, the Bible translators, you know, I, they, have, they had to start with uh, eight names that are in the ancient Hebrew text, and uh, they've got to translate it from Hebrew to a, a language that we know. And, and seven of these eight names that we start off with are all descendants of, of Noah. And I mentioned Noah is going to be key. It's actually key to understanding this text. If you remember the story of Noah and Genesis, of course, Noah, his three sons, his three daughters-in-law, and his wife, along with animals, two of every kind, survived the flood because the Lord brings a judgment. And Noah and his family are safe on the ark. They end up landing on a mountain. Uh, it's considered to be Mount Ararat. Uh, it could be that mountain. It could be some other mountain. The Bible is silent on that. But Mount Ararat, if this is the place, is a, a, a mountain on the border between Turkey and Russia. And, you know, Noah sends out a, uh, Noah sends out a raven and a dove. You can read about this in, in Genesis chapter 8, verses 8 through 12. Now, ultimately, these three sons of Noah and his wife, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives, and their offspring, uh, repopulate the earth. Now, interestingly, in 10, chapter 10 and 11 in Genesis that follows, uh, Moses writes what's called the Table of Nations. And these Table of Nations basically identifies the descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, all the way down to Abraham, which comes from the Noah's son Shem, and it basically lists all of these nations that come from these tribes, these individuals. You see, it starts off with an individual, but then the individual has a family, the family becomes a tribe, the tribe becomes a, a nation. And Genesis actually has, Genesis 10 has 70 different names, and it's called the Table of Nations. This is where we get most of our nations today. So for example, in Genesis chapter 10, are you staying with me? I hope you are. Genesis chapter 10 starts off with these words, and I want you to listen for the names. This is the account of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, those are the three sons, Noah's sons, who themselves had sons after the flood, the sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Medi, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, Tiras, the sons of Gomer, um, Ashkenaz, Ripah, 
and Togarma. Okay, so some of the names that we hear in the 10th chapter of Genesis are the names that are associated with this Gog and Magog. Magog is one of the, the names. Uh, one of these nations that ends up in the end times uh, being a belligerent and coming against Israel. So the, these ancient names uh, are associated with, with ancient day places, which are present day places as well. Now, one of the things that's a little difficult is trying to track the people groups because, because the people groups settled in an area, is that the area that Ezekiel is referring to? Or is that the people group that then migrates somewhere else? Well, this is, a, this is a good question, but far more involved than what I'm prepared to answer uh, on a prophecy update. What we'll say is this, is some of them are interesting. So, for example, Ethiopia. Now, Ethiopia is an interesting account because in Ezekiel's day, Ethiopia... Um, uh, Ethiopia included a huge amount of territory, much larger than today. It included the Sudan, Nubia, parts of Egypt. Uh, Persia, uh, Persia is the ancient name of Iran. In fact, it was the name of Iran for centuries and centuries until 1941, uh, when it was changed to the present-day uh, state of Iran. Now, most scholars would trace these people groups of where they, uh, they actually were at the time. The first listed participants are directly under the control of one person who is this guy named Gog, who is the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. And it says this, it says, Son of man, set your face against God. So God has got something against him. And the reason he has something against him is because he's attacking uh, Israel. So Gog is the leader of these three people groups, Magog, Meshach, and Tubal. So let's de determine, first of all, where those nations are. Magog is described as the land of the far north, verse 15. And, you know, when we read north and south and east and west in the Bible, when a direction is given, it's always from Israel, specifically Jerusalem. So north of Jerusalem would be the north, far north. Well, if you go, if you take a, a, a ruler and go straight north from Israel or from Jerusalem, you end up in Russia. In fact, if you keep on going, you end up in the Arctic Circle. So Rosh, interesting, also uh, sounds a lot like Russia. Now, that's more of a coincidence than anything else, but, but, but this Magog is considered by most scholars as, as Russia, at least that area of Russia. Meshach is sometimes thought to be Moscow or the people of the Black Sea region. That's present-day Russia and Ukraine. And then this third nation, Tubal, Tubal, by, by most scholars' account, is considered to be Turkey. Um, what was considered uh, Asia Minor, for example, uh, when John was writing to the seven churches in Asia. That was uh, the area of what is presently Turkey. So while some scholars uh, debate the exact location of these, these individual groups, it's safe to say that these initial nations, including Gog, is a Russian confederation of some kind. Now Ezekiel continues and tells us in verse 5 that there will be these nations, initial nations, will be joined by others. That includes Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya. Now, it says all of them with shield and helmet, which means they're, they're part of the fighting coalition. They're part of the armies that gather against Israel. Now, the ancient name for Ethiopia is Cush. And in fact, if you have a King James Bible, most likely the old translations have it as Cush. Cush is actually a Hebrew name, a Hebrew word, and that word typically means black. 
That's what it means. Um, and it's a reference basically to all of the dark-skinned people in southern Egypt, all the way down through the Sudan, the present-day Ethiopia, all the way down to Kenya and Somalia. That whole area would have been considered to be Kush. Um, what's interesting, at least to me, is that Ethiopia uh, today, Ethiopia today is, is unique of all, of all of these nations which are primarily, uh, primarily uh, Muslim, Ethiopia is, is primarily Christian, 65% Christian. And that's uh, Ethiopian Orthodox, Protestant, and some Catholic. Um, now the next largest category is Islam, but also there's a very large Jewish contingent there as well. That's again another a, a story for another day. Uh, but there's a group there called uh, Beta Israel. It's a it's a it's a it's a completely black Israeli group, and many of them have already migrated to Israel and been welcomed as as Israelis with with open hands, uh, open arms. Uh, now the reason I bring this up is because. Ethiopia is unique because almost all of the other countries have a very strong Muslim influence. In fact, many scholars take a look at Russia and take a look at the, what we call the stands. I don't know if you're familiar with the stands, but these are the former Soviet republics of Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan, Takistan, Turkmenistan, and Uzbekistan. Uh, they're all stands. These are all Muslim republics were part of the Soviet uh, the Soviet Union. Uh, they're individual states now, but again, very much influenced by, by the Soviet Union. Um, so this, this Gog is most likely a, a prince of Russia, a military commander, and somehow, he, he may be Muslim, in fact, uh, that has a, a strong connection with these, these Muslim countries. Other nations join in. So we have modern-day Russia, Turkey, the Stans, the Sudan, present-day Ethiopia, Kenya, uh, Somalia. Um, so what other nations are being included in this? We've got a, a large group right now, but there's still even more nations that are included. Verse 6 says, Gomer, Gomer, <laughs> not Gomer Pyle, Gomer the nation, Gomer and all its troops, the house of Tagarma from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. Now, scholarship is, is divided. When I speak of scholarship, I mean all of the conservative Bible teachers that take a look and try to understand where these, these countries are coming from. Uh, the one that I favor, they're divided on exactly where Gomer is. I favor the interpretation that Gomer means the northern part of, of, of Turkey, and, and Togarma would be part of it as well. Now, it's interesting to me that when you take a look at scholarship, and you see it's divided because there's many scholars that still think of Gomer as being uh, Germany or specifically Eastern Germany, I can't, I can't fail to think that that possibly came, back, uh, came by because of a period between 1945 and 1989 when that was behind what's called the Iron Curtain. You know, Eastern Germany and all of Eastern Europe were part of the, uh, the Russian influence. They were the Russian countries. They were all under the thumb of Russia. And at that time, Russia was a belligerent, especially to the United States. And if there was going to be attack against an American ally, it would come from Russia and all of these other countries would be included, which would include like Eastern Germany. You know, and, and that's understandable. It's almost impossible to take a look at the Bible and take a look at Scripture and try to understand Scripture without looking outside, without looking on the TV news and seeing what's going on in the modern world today, because that's exactly what Scripture has. We're supposed to keep our heads up and look because our redemption's drawing near. 
And we know that this is an end-time conflict that happens at some time in the, in the near future, and we want to know exactly who these, these nations are. Now, let's go on. Uh, Ezekiel is telling us that in the end time, some leader, he calls him God, will be a leader of a great army that attacks the land of Israel. That's Ezekiel chapter 38. We've already gone over the nations. We've also understood that there's, there's a Muslim influence. The question really is, when will this battle happen? And again, scholarship is divided. There are two strong possibilities. One is, the first one is the one that I kind of favor as well, is that it will happen uh, prior to the tribulation. Uh, whether it happens before or after the rapture of the church is, is undecided, but it would happen before the tribulation. Uh, this view points to the fact that after the battle, the people of Israel will be bearing the enemy's weapons for seven years. Now, that seven years is an interesting number because we know that the tribulation period is exactly seven years. Two periods of three and a half months, or three and a half years, 42 months, exactly. In fact, the days are given to us exactly in the book of Revelation. Um, I, I tend to agree with this possibility. I think it's, this is highly likely. It makes a lot of sense, especially when you consider that if you read, by the way, you ought to read Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. It's a, it's a wonderful story of how uh, God overcomes this, this, this terrible enemy that comes against Israel in the last days and, and wins the war. At the end of that, by the way, it says that the people's hearts turn towards God. And that's not the situation in Israel today at all. Uh, so we know that that would happen at some time in the future, and it would be a great possibility. The second possibility is that this happens sometime during the first part of the tribulation. The view hinges on the fact that Israel is at peace when, it att when this attack begins. That's verse 8 and verse 11. The security Israel enjoys is assumed to be the result of Israel's covenant with the Antichrist which actually kicks off the seven years of tribulation. This is what, what starts it. This is what Daniel says. That's Daniel chapter 9. The 70th week of Daniel starts when the, the uh, Antichrist uh, confirms a covenant with many. That's what it says in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Now, here's the bottom line, and kind of a spoiler alert. Um, Magog does not win. God, <laughs> God wins, you know. Anytime you come against God with all of your armies, you need a lot more than armies to overcome God. You can't overcome God. I mean, God, uh, without any help from anybody else, uh, wins every single battle. Ezekiel 38, for example, says there'll be a great earthquake. In verse 21, it says every man's sword will be against his brother. Uh, in verse 22, it says God will pour down torrents of rain, hailstones, and burning sulfur on Gog and his troops and many nations with him. Of course, the, the result is, is that the nations will see God's greatness. Israel will see God's greatness and his holiness. And that's the, that's the point. God acts in order to not prove who he is, but because of his actions, many people come to know who God truly is. Now, before we close, let me tell you that Gog and Magog are mentioned again at the end of the book of Revelation, at the very end. This is confusing to some people because the names are being used. Well, the location is still the same. And remember, at the end of the book of Revelation, we have Jesus returning, that's chapter 19, the millennial reign of Christ, which is chapter 20. And at the end of that, there's a, another war, the people revolt. And again, that will be a, a, a topic for another message at some time in the future. Why do the people revolt? Now, um, 
the people turned towards it. No, it's very likely because Israel is in the land. That's part of Ezekiel 38. Uh, this is just another time, another time in the Bible when people revolt against God Almighty. This is, the, the Bible says that man's heart is deceitful and it's wicked. It's entirely wicked. And God gives us free, you know, he gives us a, a choice and free will. And even though during the millennium, it's going to be a wonderful time. It's almost like the Garden of Eden again. Um, the healing, people will live a very long time. There won't be any wars or any frustration like that until the very end when, again, the people revolt against God. And of course, God has to destroy them. But we know that this is, this is in the end times. There's a verse that I was going to read earlier. I'll read it now. Verse 7 of chapter 38, this kind of I understand where this is taking place. Verse 7 says, Prepare yourself. This is to Israel. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be on guard. After many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. So this is, again, one of the prophecies in the Bible that speaks about the return of the people of Israel to the land, to the promised land that God had promised them. You know, up until 1948, people thought this could never happen, but then in a day, the nation of Israel was born. So here's, in closing, this is what I would tell you. Keep your eyes on Russia. The war between Russia and Ukraine are not part of this prophecy, but it gives you an indication uh, of how military and how belligerent uh, the people of Russia um, presently are. Uh, we thought we'd be done, done with the Soviet Union. I, I know I thought I was. I mean, after the Soviet Union collapse, that was uh, Mikhail Gorbachev and, uh, and uh, uh, President Bush, um, I thought we were at the end of the Cold War. We would have a, a time of peace. But here, Russia's back on his heels again as a pushing against the NATO, against its allies. The Bible tells us that the Antichrist will actually come from a group of people that, the group of people that destroyed Israel in, 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 in AD 70. The reason I bring this up is because there's a, there's a number of translations, you might find it in your Bible, that says Gog is another name for the Antichrist. And I don't, I don't see this at all. And the reason is, is because Gog is definitely coming from the upper north, which was outside of the, of the then current Roman Empire. And it was the Roman Empire that came against Israel in AD 70. So it wouldn't match up that it, the Gog somehow would be the Antichrist. I think he's the, the king of the north that's mentioned in Daniel. So I hope that answers your questions. So keep your eye on, on uh, Israel, keep your eye on Russia, keep your eye on Islam as well, because I think all three of these will have a major role at the final seven-year period that we call the, the tribulation. Uh, so God bless. I want to pray for you and encourage you, want to remind you that uh, we'd love to have you uh, share this video, this audio podcast with others. That's how people get to know us. That's how people get to, to follow us. We hope that we're influential, influential in, uh, in people, bringing people uh, the good news of Jesus Christ and the hope of salvation. Let me pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord. Nearly every day, it's common to see, read, or hear something about the end of the world, the apocalypse, or end times. 
author and pastor Kenneth Baer's The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom zooms in and breaks down biblical prophecy as it relates to Jesus' imminent return and the coming seven-year period, including the Great Tribulation. Available in both paperback and Kindle versions. Get your copy on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble and select Christian bookstores. The title again is The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom. You can also find it listed by author Kenneth Baer. Get your copy today. <laughs>